I want to welcome you back to Ready or Not with Disaster Preparedness. I am your host for tonight and this episode, Michelle. Um, my co-host, Rashida, had a prior engagement for this evening. And so I'm going to be tackling this episode solo. Um, I think we can do it. If you bear with me, I think we can um, definitely get through it. Just wanted to give you a review of our last episode, episode seven, was why purify water purification and disaster preparedness. This, of course, is a continuation of episode seven of that discussion in terms of water, because what we did find is that this issue of water and water purification and storage and sanitation, just the whole oh, issue of water is a very intense, very involved, sometimes scientific, um, slightly complex issue. It's, it's very involved and it's um, pretty key. It's a very important element of preparedness. Uh, we discussed bacteria, viruses, and other contaminants that can taint the water supply in a disaster scenario. We discussed, you know, how that can come about. That can come about through power outages. That can come about through the pause or stoppage of your water treatment um, in a power outage. That can come about through flooding, we discussed. I mean, anytime flooding occurs, we're at risk for pathogens and viruses and bacteria in the water. Uh, flooding has the most contaminants. And again, you need to go back perhaps and review that episode because we kind of get into detail about the significance of contaminated, I mean, of flooding as it relates to contamination in your water supply. Um, another thing we ended with was speaking about in Prince George's County um, during the time of episode seven, which right now would be last week for us, there was a water advisory for South Prince George's County in Maryland. And there was an alert or an advisory to, to boil water. So that was what we call, um, in preparedness, you call them boil alerts. So I think we pretty much asked you to just kind of pay attention to your emergency notifications and, um, you know, see what you're told to do, should that be the case. Let's continue the topic and discuss actual methods of purification. Now, can you guess the method most frequently advised? The method most frequently advised for purification. I'll give you a second. Okay, time's up. It is boiling or the boiling method. So boiling water is effective in most disaster scenarios, as we touched on last week. Boiling water for purification is the simplest method, less complex, and it doesn't require a lot. Boiling water does help kill most threats, including bacteria, many or most of the pathogens that we discussed, and many or most viruses. It does not, however, kill chemical threats. And again, we discuss organic and inorganic um, con contamination. So it does not kill most chemical, well, it does not kill any chemical threats. As far as the methodology, 
you will need a heating source. We discussed heating sources in our episode five. I think it was five. Um, excuse me, I don't have my co-host Rashida here to help me remember, but um, I think it was episode five, and I think that was called Let's Get Physical. At any rate, I won't repeat the information from that episode at this time, but feel free to go back and listen to it or review it, whatever your case may be. As a matter of fact, you can also go to our YouTube channel because at that time, we also did a demo of um, a camping stove. And um, our, our YouTube channel is Ready or Not with Aftermath Disaster Preparedness. So again, make sure you kind of go and it's a great source for you to catch up on or, or review our YouTube channel. Now, the rule of thumb is to bring your water to a rolling boil for about two minutes. Some people advise or some advise up to 10 minutes. The range is somewhere uh, between one to 10 minutes to boil the water, a rolling boil. We suggest about two minutes to purify. Me personally, I think 10 minutes can be excessive in a disaster situation where water is limited or even being rationed. I don't think you want to dissipate your water supply through boiling it for such a long time. So I would say or, or recommend two minutes of a rolling boil to purify your water. Okay, another method that I'm certain many have heard um, when you're talking about purification is using bleach. Now, this can get slightly involved, and you definitely have to be careful when using this method. First things first, make sure, make sure you use unscented bleach. So bleach today comes in all types of fragrances. It has all types of additives. Um, I know I was looking at my bleach um, when I was, you know, further researching this topic. And my bleach, which is a fragrance, had pine soul, pine soul included. So that's the additive that's in my fragrance. Um, sometimes you might find OxyClean mixed in with your bleach. Um, so again, you don't want to use any of this. You want to make certain that you use regular unscented chlorine bleach. And the ingredient to look for is sodium hypochlorite. I'm getting a little scientific, and that's for a reason, um, just to make sure you're safe. But the ingredient, again, is sodium hypochlorite. And they usually put about, it, now the range can be from about 3 to 10% um, sodium hypochlorite that's included in your bleach. And that depends on how concentrated the bleach is. In most household bleach, as a standard, it's somewhere between 5% or 8%. As far as the sodium hypochlorite, you want that to be your only ingredient. I think the fragrant bleach has something, I think the one I read, um, mine had hydroperoxide or hypoperoxide in it. So again, just be mindful and be sure to check your label because um, you don't want 
anything other than straight chlorine bleach. Another thing is if you can be sure to check your label for the amount of sodium hypochlorite. Um, if it's over over 8%, um, you, you just want to kind of make sure because whatever it is, you want to be mindful because it can affect the amount of bleach that you add to your water supply. So anything over eight, you really want to add um, less bleach, pretty much. Now, um, what you're doing is you're adding the bleach to water. It's dilution. You're diluting the bleach, pretty much. And you don't want, another thing is, you don't want, I just want to put this disclaimer out. You do not want to drink the bleach straight. Drinking the bleach straight for whatever notion some people might have in their minds. And I don't want to get into how people might think. They might think that they're able to maybe drink the, the bleach um, for purification. Do not drink bleach straight. It can be very harmful, as many may know. It can damage your esophagus. It can damage your stomach lining. Um, so please don't drink the bleach straight. And then the rare case that you might, it doesn't, the um, household bleach doesn't have, it's not so concentrated because it usually stops at about five, it usually only has about five to eight percent um, sodium hypochlorite in it. So it won't really be as harmful as bleach can be. But again, um, you know, in a rare case that that it is concentrated, it can be very harmful. So just let's just scratch everything and just take the rule. Do not drink the bleach straight. And we'll now get into the how to. Now, here we come. We, we now have equations. And when you add bleach to your water for purification, I'm going to give you like the lower calculation, the more liberal calculation. And that is for one quart or a liter of water, you want to add about two drops of bleach. For one gallon of water, you want to use about six drops of bleach. And if you perchance have like two gallon storage container, you want to use about 12 drops of bleach or one eighth teaspoon. I myself personally don't know what one eighth teaspoon looks like. I think my teaspoon measurements stop at a quarter teaspoon. So I'm not certain. I, I think I might have one eighth, but I'm more comfortable using droppers. Um, I personally, uh, have a lot of tinctures, herb tinctures, and so they have a lot of droppers. And so I would always be able to kind of grab a dropper. Of course, if you do that, if you do have something with droppers, um, once you put it in the bleach, of course, you know you don't want to contaminate your herb or wherever you got it from. You don't want to use that dropper in your herb again. Um, I think, however, that you can get droppers at your drugstores. Uh, probably like in the baby section or maybe like in the medicinal section where you get 
um, for your ear. Like they have droppers for ear medication. So um, you might want to look for droppers and you can measure your uh, bleach that way, how much bleach you put in that way. And of course, these droppers are portable and you can use it that way. Now, once you add the bleach to the water, you want to mix it or shake it very gently. And then you want to let it stand for at least 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour, but at least 30 minutes. And this is how it purifies. This is the purification process. You want to slightly, once that's done and, and you're ready, you want to open it and you want to slightly smell chlorine. Now, that's a kind of determiner or indicator of if you used enough bleach because you do want to smell a slight amount of chlorine. Now, in terms of convenience, I don't think bleach is the most portable way of purification. Um, you know, bleach, it's kind of awkward. It's kind of it can be kind of heavy. Um, it's it can be kind of big in your in your emergency kit um, and it could get punctured and punctured bleach it would be a mess. Um, also know that bleach does not remove chemical contamination. I think personally, I think the most portable form um, for, of purification, just in terms of the bleach, would be like a chlorine tablet. Um, and there are other tablets like purification tablets. Um, one purification tablet, uh, let me add, is uh, iodine tablets. And iodine tablets can be used for several things in disaster preparedness. And one of them is water purification. Um, I don't think it's the most preferred method of water purification, but you can use iodine. And if you choose to go that route, you would use about five drops of at least 2% iodine per quart. And you would also let that stand for an, about an hour. Safely, if you're adding anything to water, for the most part, you're going to let the water stand so that the purification process can be most effective. So you're going to let it stand for at least 30 minutes, um, but safely for about an hour. And of course, you would need to read the instructions for any of these like tablets, chlorine tablets, purification tablets. You would need to read the instructions on the amount um, that you would use per quart or per gallon of water. Actually, we will be dropping a YouTube video to supplement this podcast, episode eight. And we're going to have a demo of a few purification methods. So please be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, subscribe to our channel. Thank you. Okay, moving along. Um, there's another purification method. Um, and they call them water purif purifiers. And water purifi purifiers, I'm sorry. And I don't have a lot of information. I do know that they exist and I've seen them 
in um, the supply stores, et cetera. And they're pretty much like a treatment system. Um, you've probably seen them attached to faucets and et cetera. Um, like they, they're like a, it's just a water purific purification system, treatment system. And they usually kill viruses and bacteria and par parasites and some inorganic chemicals. Um, I don't know how portable they are, but that is another uh, method of purification for your consideration. Another method. I hope you are you bearing with me because I'm covering a lot. I'm not used to doing that without uh, my co-hosts. Um, another method is water filters. Now, the most common um, water filter today, well, the most common water filter is with activated charcoal. And you may have heard of activated charcoal because today that's a very kind of hot topic technology. If you, well, it's not a technology, but it's like a hot topic because people use it to whiten their teeth. You, you use it as a face mask. You use it um, now it's in shampoo. But in this case and on topic, it can be very effective as a water purifier, a water purifier. Um, it is effective as it relates to purification. Charcoal is the material used for water filters because it removes most toxins from your water. Scientifically, what it does is it treats and traps the pollutants in a process that they call adsorption. And that's A-D-S-O-R-P-T-I-O-N, not absorption, but adsorption. The filter helps to kind of remove the sediments that may get in the water. And um, that's how you kind of filter the impurities or contaminants out by using the filter and the charcoal. And you kind of filter the pure water into like a holding glass of sorts. And you can use maybe like a coffee filter to, to use as a filter. Um, we probably will discuss this in our YouTube demo as well, because you, there are many do-it-yourself uh, ways of uh, creating your own water filters. Um, the one downside to charcoal is that it can be very activated. Activated charcoal. Please do not get gas charcoal. This is activated charcoal. But the one thing about activated charcoal is that it can get very messy because it's very light. It's like you can just blow it and it just it's all over your shirt. It floats. So just kind of be mindful of that um, if you choose to go that route. And again, we'll probably have an example of this on our uh, YouTube, YouTube demo to accompany this episode. Another method which I find very interesting is called um, SODIS and that's S-O-D-I-S. -S. It's a natural, it's a natural technology. It's natural, but new. And um, the um, natural as aspect is called SODIS, which stands for solar water disinfection. I'll say that again. It stands for solar water disinfection. And it's pretty straightforward. It's a pretty straightforward way of purification, and it deals with nature itself. 
So all you need is a clear container. Um, I would prefer clear glass. And you put your water in it. You put the water in direct sunlight for about six hours and you let the sun do its do the work. Um, the ultra the ultraviolet rays from the sun destroys the bacteria and the parasites. Now, this is um, you, you have to consider, however, if your water is very cloudy, I don't know if that is the best method. I don't know if um, I think the effectiveness the effectiveness is reduced um, because you know, of course, cloudy water shows that you you have a whole, you have a lot of impurities. Um, I would it, it better works with clear water, and again, you just put it in the sun. The solar method and the UV rays from the sun will destroy the bacteria and the parasite. Um, they say if it's cloudy outside, of course, that affects the strength of the solar radiation. Um, and as a rule of thumb, they say, you know, um, you might want to keep it out. If it's like uh, half a day, you might want to keep. If 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 it's more than a half, half of the sky is covered with, you know, is cloudy then you might want to keep the bottle out in the sun for two days. Um, that's one of the rule of thumbs. Um, you can get more information on it. You can look up SOTUS uh, and it has, um, you know, more information on it. And um, of course, if it's a rainy day, then it, it's probably not very effective at all. Um, the other thing with sodas, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the um, water should be kept in a bottle and you want to go ahead and just kind of, even if you pour it out, you want to drink it um, as soon as you can um, because you don't want to contaminate the um, water supply again. So um, that is the sodas method. In conjunction with or similar to the SOTUS method is the UV treatment. Um, now, this is the new technology aspect um, as it relates to ultraviolet rays. UV treatments are ultraviolet light treatment, light water treatment. And what you do, you essentially place this um, UV wand into your water supply. And what it does is it discharges an ultraviolet light into the water. So from, okay, from the scientific angle, what that does is it literally scrambles the DNA of your bacteria, the pathogens, the viruses. It, it just kind of scrambles it, which effectively decontaminates the water. Um, they also tell you to go ahead once you do it, um, once you're done, and just advise it. I mean, I'm sorry, and um, drink it shortly afterwards because once it sits, the DNA becomes unscrambled again, and you'll have to treat the water again because it can recontaminate. Um, the, I guess, downside to this 
method is it doesn't remove any of the chemicals. It doesn't remove chemicals. We're talking about your organic and inorganic chemicals. And um, at this time, if you buy it, uh, UV treatment devices, they require batteries. Um, I think we also previously um, in a prior episode discussed rainwater. Again, the fact that it can be illegal in some states and the fact that it does contain bacteria and toxins. So if you do get rainwater, if you do collect rainwater, again, make sure your state in your state that it's allowable. And also you want to find a purification method to purify your rainwater. So all in all, uh, we've discussed the different methods of purification, um, and you probably have considered it, and you might find that, uh, as I've found, that I don't think that there is a best method for purification. There's no perfect method. But again, we're talking about the best choices or, or alternatives to make in order to survive in that kind of scenario. And so if you're faced with any of these dilemmas and you're in a disaster, these are some options for you in terms of um, how to purify your water supply should it become, should you have the need to do so. Um, I mean, most survivalists can live off of a gallon of water a day, but it is a uh, in order for them to do that, it's with great preparation and a really serious level of preparedness. And we now come to our new segment. Um, I think it was introduced in episode six, and that is the Ready or Not Challenge. Um, I think episode six, the challenge was to walk a mile. I'll have to check with my co-host Rashida to see how her mile went. Um, as for me, I did so with my daughter. Um, we walked in my neighborhood and we also walked, you know, okay, in a shopping mall, like a shopping center. We walked a mile around the shopping center and just kind of checked out the scenery and did some window shopping in the process, but we did do the mouth to, to get the conditioning in. Um, and more seriously, we did do a mouth in our neighborhood um, because we want to familiar, familiarize ourselves with the terrain in our neighborhood. Um, any shortcuts, any cut throughs, um, you know, so we're kind of familiar should a disaster happen, we know the terrain. I would Recommend you do that as well. Just kind of get familiar with your surroundings and the place that you might or more commonly might be should a disaster happen. Again, that is for conditioning and um, we hope you did it. And if not, um, you still have the opportunity to do so. Just remember, it's a method for conditioning yourselves for disaster. As for this week, the new challenge will be a water drill. We like for you to take a water drill, um, take a day of having or of using no water 
only your water supply that you have on hand and use it to see how you would do in a disaster. Should a disaster suddenly happen and you're in that moment with the water supply that you now have. Um, and you need to see how you will use that for sanitation, how you will use that to brush your teeth, how you will ration any of the supply that you have around you to drink. Um, and just kind of make an assessment afterwards, just kind of jot down so you can now have a realistic um, notation of how much or estimation of how much water you will actually use should a disaster take place. And so, um, again, let's do that for 24 hours, one day, a water drill using your uh, water supplies on hand. And we'll check back with you on our next episode to see how you did. And of course, we'll be participating as well. And so we come to the conclusion of episode eight. Thank you for taking this journey with me as I did it solo. My co-host Rashida will return for episode nine, and that will be regarding water storage. So please join us for episode nine and get more information as it relates to our series on water in survival. We are on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Look us up, Ready or Not, with Aftermath Disaster Preparedness. We're also on most podcast platforms. You know it. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Look us up and let's get prepared. Give us a listen, then comment, leave questions, rate, review, and by all means, subscribe. Thank you again. And remember, we're not here to scare you. We're here to prepare you. Have a blessed week and peace.